to uh, Daniel, if you will. Um, everybody knows where Daniel is. Let's see, chapter uh, 6 and verse 17. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 17. You ready to hear from God this morning? Ready to get a word on Memorial Day weekend? Amen. Daniel 6 and 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the lion's den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. And before we pray, let me say it this way to you. It wasn't enough that they put him in the lion's den. I'm not preaching about Daniel this morning. I'm going to end with him. And I'm preaching about making room for a miracle. When promises are half fulfilled in your life, what do you do? But it wasn't enough that they put him in the lion's den. But they also, they put a stone in front of the mouth of the lion's den. These were real lions. In fact, the next people that got thrown in, the lions grabbed them before they hit the floor and began to eat them till they were just bones. It wasn't enough that it was lions. And then the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. A lot of work going on here so that what they had purposed, say what they had purposed, for Daniel would not be interrupted, but God had other purposes. Then reading to you from 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, for all the promises of God in Jesus are what? They are what? Yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing upon the word. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, speak to us out of this text, speak to us this morning, God. Let us sequester our minds these next few minutes to hear the word of God. Nothing else will change us. Nothing else will redirect our future. Nothing else will make a difference that we're going to do later or we did last night. Only your word, Lord, and your anointing really will make an eternal difference in our lives and cause us to make a difference in others. So speak to us today. Holy Spirit, open heavens. I thank you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Now look at your neighbor again and say, make room for a miracle. I love this passage so much. And the passage we're going to go into that I'm going to really preach out of because it's so powerful. And it's so powerful to me that they thought that um, these that conspired against Daniel, and the reason they conspired against him was because of what he could reproduce. Say, what I can reproduce is greater than what I am. It is, and that's why the enemy fights what you can bring to the earth. We don't always recognize. It's not always so written out before us with a stone rolled and lions and king's signet ring before it. It's not always so clear before us that it's the enemy. But let me assure you, the enemy is fearful of what you can reproduce in the earth. What you have done before is great. But what you still have the capacity to reproduce is greater than what you've done in the past. Daniel had done some mighty feats. Now, you that walked through 12 weeks, don't worry. I'm not going to rehash that, though we learned so much. But what he had already produced was amazing by this point. But you see, out of jealousy and out of envy, the enemy used flesh. How many know the enemy uses flesh, your flesh and others' flesh, to speak to you and to discourage you? Someone say amen and make me feel a little bit more human on this Sunday morning. And you see, they conspired against him and convinced the king to write a decree 
that anyone that prayed to anybody but the king for 30 days would be thrown in the lion's den. The decree came out and Daniel refused to obey the decree. Now, let me say, just this is not what my message is about, but let me just say it because it's so powerful to me. It's stung me. It's hung with me ever since we said it this last semester. And it is this. Daniel would rather die than miss 30 days of prayer. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you didn't pray for 30 days, would there be a noticeable difference in the results? Some of us, it's a sting because we don't really know when the last time we really prayed to God. Like I heard Pastor Connie said Wednesday night, I was raised with people who prayed you through. There's not a lot praying through going on in the body of Christ anymore. I was raised and schooled by parents. I could hear praying through to God. I was raised by a granddaddy who prayed through to God. I was raised around women that gathered in the altar with you and prayed with you you until you got the victory. I think we are open to all the new things that God wants to do through us and in us in this church. But I'm going to tell you, I pray there's never a day that there's not men and women in the body of Christ that will not come up and stand with you and pray you through till you get to the other side. Somebody give Jesus a hand in the house. He thought it was so important. They didn't ask him to bow to an idol. They didn't ask him to bow to an idol. They didn't ask him to curse his God. Do you get what they asked him to do? To just not pray for 30 days. You would think that in our 21st century, secular, humanist, affected mind, that we would say, it's no big deal if I don't pray for 30 days. It's no big deal. I mean, my place in this kingdom is too important. My stand in the office is too important. My position is too important. I've got to pay my bills. It's too important. You see, we've been so affected and desynthesized by the secular humanistic age around us that sometimes it happens to me. I know it's going to happen to you as well that we come to the point that we think, no, God will understand. I've got to hold on to this, that, and the other. Let me tell you, Daniel knew that promises were half fulfilled in his life and in his people's life. And he knew what made him great was not the position that Nebuchadnezzar had given him. Not the position that Dyrus had given him. It was not that, but the thing that had made him great was him praying toward his Jerusalem three times a day that God would have mercy. Oh, I've got the God chills. That God would have mercy on him and his people. Let me tell you, you have a Jerusalem and it's called heaven. And every time you lift up your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from, your help according to the psalmist comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth and every time you do your saying promises are half fulfilled in my life I don't care that much about my position call me a Holy Ghost roller if you will call me whatever you want to but let me tell you some of my Baptist friends are out praying my Pentecostal friends two to one we've got to return to that which we believe that God is our only source and lose whatever else has to go but at the end of the day I and you have got to be like Daniel and say it won't be good for me to go one day without praying because one day without praying might desynthesize someone else there
there might be a miracle. You've got to make room for a miracle, young people, men and women, brothers and sisters, whether it's six minutes on the way to the job, whether it's two minutes while you're washing your clothes, you got to make room for a miracle and seek the hand of God. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. You see, the drama that we see pales to the drama we cannot see. The drama that we see around us, the drama that we think and identify going on about our life pales in comparison to the drama we can't see. If anything, when we came out of the book of Daniel, we saw that. that There's so much going on in the heavenlies that the enemy does not want you to realize. He does not want you to know that angels and demons are fighting over your destiny. They're fighting over what you can reproduce in the earth and what you can bring to the earth. You think you're just having a bad day and feeling a little depressed. You think you're just feeling a little blue and it's all about your male hormones. Don't you love it, women? You think that you're just having a foggy day. You think it's just your age. You think it's just your limitations. The enemy would desire that you would not realize the warfare that goes on in the heavenlies over you reproducing in the earth what God has set every man and woman, every child, every young person to bring to the earth. May God open our eyes is my prayer. Can you say amen? I think about this so much on Monday, and we're going to get to Second Kings 4 and finish there. But on Monday, um, after several weeks of traveling, and, and last week I was talking about being done, not done with the church, I was done with traveling. Just had been here and there, and Atlanta, Tulsa, Atlanta, Tulsa, back and forth, Prague, not Czechoslovakia, that would have been fun, but Prague, Oklahoma, and just back and forth and, and speaking and preaching. I was tired. Not only was I tired, but I felt like God was trying to tell me something. I couldn't figure it out. And there was just some things that happened from mid-April to mid-May that just kind of took the, just took some air out of me. It just, I found myself having to walk out again. And it was me, no one else, walk out that which I had preached. Just things going on in me, my mind, my emotions. I take trips out to the tornado victims just to remind myself, to ground myself in what was really important. I am a person that preaches eternity. I will always, I feel I have a grasp on how little this life is. One thing I hope you say about me, when we stand before the throne, she knew it would be like this, because I do. I thank God for the revelation he has given me that this life is so short, and nothing really matters but eternity. And um, I was just come to the point by Monday morning, and Sunday afternoon I just laid on my bed and cried. I shared more of this with the Hope House Girls Tuesday, but I just cried, and all I could say was Jesus. Nothing horrible, nothing bad, nothing. But just Jesus, I just, just like the emotions from just a month of some things, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't know where to go from here. And by Monday morning, I had said enough to Pastor that he said, we're calling Pastor Billy today. We're calling Pastor Billy today. And so he said, Pastor Billy, this is, this is Rhonda. Rhonda needs to talk to you, Pastor Billy. And then when she's done, I'm going to talk to you. So he hands the phone to me. Hi, Pastor Billy. This is Rhonda. How are you? <laughs> He said, what's going on, Rhonda? You know, in that voice. And I said, well, so I just, just shared many, 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 many things I'm not sharing with you and where I was. And then I said, and then there's this dream. And I said, I had this dream, Pastor Billy, in about November. And Pastor Hank and Pastor Tim and, and some other men in this body that I know and some that I didn't know 
um, men in this body that I love and respect highly. We're standing at a at a table at, at, at some plans, some building plans, and um and, and and I was watching them, and I was over to the side, and and every time they'd lay these plans out, these bat, black, big black, huge birds would come and nest right over us on these poles, and and they would come when they did. This would stop whatever they were doing. I didn't even know what they were doing. Whatever they were doing with these plans, they were laying out, and uh, they would stop. And every time it would, I would say, um, Lord, you are my redeemer, and I, I praise you, Lord, and I, I worship you, Lord. And when I would start to praise, the birds would begin to go off, and the men would do this again, and, and then the birds would come back, and I would do it again. And, and they were trying to name this thing. Then they were discussing, what do we name this thing? And, and the birds kept coming back, and I was trying to praise, but they kept coming back. And then all of a sudden, it came to me in my dream, and I said, this place shall be called a healing place, for the Lord shall restore many in this place. And every time I said that, the birds would just swoop off like something just took a broom and batted them off. Now, I dream a lot. I don't tell 99% of my dreams. So when I tell one, I'm absolutely sure it was God because the dreams were so vivid. And uh, and I was telling Pastor Billy in the middle, all this goes, Rhonda, 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 go put the speakerphone on. Put the speaker on for Pastor Hank. And he said, Rhonda. The birds are after your eggs. Of course, you know, that's just what you want to have. Like the eggs in my refrigerator, the eggs that cooks, or what eggs are you talking about, you know? And I, by this time, I'm crying. He starts talking. And I put my head down on the counter of a pastor, and for two hours, he talked on a speakerphone while I cried, and I cried. The things that he said are not to be said this morning. I've gotten wiser about that. But I cried, and I cried. I cried the rest of the whole day. But he said, Rhonda, the enemy is after what you can reproduce in the earth. He doesn't, whatever has happened before has not been now what he is going to bring through you. is exactly the way with each one of you in this room this morning. The enemy is after you not reproducing what God has put in you in the earth. It was that way with a Daniel. Don't call it a murky morning. Don't call it a down day. Don't call it cause you're 50 and haven't seen your moments. Call it what it is. The enemy wants to stop you. He tried to stop Daniel from reproducing in the earth. He tried to stop. He put him in the lion's den because you see he had done some mighty things at this point but promises were half fulfilled in his life what do you do when promises are half fulfilled in your life you make room for a miracle and Daniel did that by going up and praying toward Jerusalem. Daniel did that by grabbing back hold of God. Will we end in a few minutes grabbing hold of God and what God could do for him? You see, the reason is because just a couple of chapters before, after that, I've always believed this. I've always said it and others have said it too. It goes as simple like that. Is that light working? It goes as simple like this. And this is the thing. You see, the enemy doesn't know exactly what you're going to reproduce. Thank you. In the earth, the enemy has no idea but the enemy can see the drama around you and your family. You see, the enemy can see what's going on up in the heavenlies. It is not a fable. It is not a myth. It is scriptural. Go to the book of Daniel and read Gabriel and Michael fighting each other over one word coming to Daniel, fighting over the prince of Persia together against him. Listen, you see the drama. The devil doesn't know what God, he doesn't know what's in your eggs. Look at your neighbor and say, I have eggs. I never knew it. I have eggs. It's this is wonderful. I'm a male and I have eggs. It's all good. It's all good. Don't overthink it. Just come back, come back, come back. It's over what you can reproduce in the earth. Your legacy. Your legacy. 
what you leave in people's lives, what you can do. Pastor Billy didn't give me any directional about specifics. I want to let you know that. He just spoke to my spirit and exposed my heart and spoke to Pastor and I greatly, greatly, greatly encouraged us. You see, Daniel in a few pages, the enemy didn't know, but he tried to kill Daniel in chapter 6. Why? Because just a few chapters later, if you remember, oh my graduates, I love you. If you remember, he was the one who would find the prophecy written and would pray and would confess the sins of Israel though he had never sinned and he would seek God to get the fulfillment that Israel could go back to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jerusalem today is being fought over tooth and air, head, because that's where God put his people and that's where God put his mark. Let me tell you something. What's going on in your life right now may not be about you. It may be about all the people standing behind you that God is going to use you to have an encouraging word, to have a promise, to have a comfort in the time of weariness. You see, you cannot make it about you. You've got to make it about everyone standing behind you. There were a whole lot of people standing behind Daniel waiting for someone to get the word of the Lord. There's a whole lot of people standing behind you, young people. Tiffany, there's a line behind you from here to Montana, baby. You can't see it. There's a line behind you, Andres, going all the way to Arizona. What are you saying, Pastor Rhonda? On your murky Monday and your terrible Tuesday and your whiny Wednesday and your thirsty, don't know if you're going to live Thursday, you better ask the Lord help me to gird up my loins and to do what I am to do because there's a line of people behind me waiting for me to get it right with God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And so that's what they did with, with Daniel. And uh, God's purpose prevailed. And we'll end with that in a moment. I want you to turn to 2 Kings 4. What one person did when the promises were half fulfilled. And actually when a promise died on their lap. What do you do? You make room for a miracle. You make room for a miracle. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8. Beginning to read now. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look, I know this is a holy man of God. He passes by regularly. Let us make a small room on the wall. Actually, it's the roof that she made. And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Or he can stay here with us. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned to the upper room and he laid down in his bed. He said to his servant, he called him, call that Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him and he said to him, Say to her, look, you've been so concerned for us. You've done so much for us. You've made room for us. God wants to say that to you. You've done so much for me. You've made room for me in your life. You've made room for a miracle. She had made room. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on behalf of the king or the army? She said, no. In fact, most translations, she says, I dwell among my people. But she says, here, I'm fine. I live with my family. I'm fine. Now, I want to tell you right now, look up for a moment, read a couple more verses, then I'll speak this out. Let me tell you something. The reason she didn't answer him, what she wanted, no king could do for her. What she wanted, no commander of an army could do for her. What she wanted, Dr. Phil, Oprah, Bill Gates, no amount of money. You see, when you need a miracle, when you need to make room for a miracle, a miracle is the supernatural intervention of God. 
It's God doing something for you you cannot do for yourself. There's no commander that can perform a miracle. There's no President Bush or Obama who can perform a miracle. There's no President Palin. No, just think, okay. There's no congressman that can do for you when it comes to a miracle. You can't work it up. You smart, incredible people, most talented people I know on the earth. My life is better because I've known you. Christian Sherwood sang that to Oprah. Well, let me tell you, I sing it to the people in my life. My life is better because I have known you. That song from Wicked. There you go, Chris. My life is better. But you're wonderful and you're awesome. But Pastor Jason, what you need God to do is smart and intelligent. You are and articulate. A miracle can only be done by God. And she says no. Reason she doesn't tell him, he's going to expose it in a moment. But reason she doesn't tell it, because no one can do that for her. It's a miracle. And so she says to him, no, I, I dwell among people. Verse 14. So he said to her, what can we do to his servant Gehazi? And, and he answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Most translations, he is very old. Now, let me tell you something, my friends. When the Old Testament says a man is very old, he's ancient. He's ancient. I mean, he's upward over 100. When they say old, I mean, think how long Methuselah lived. I mean, when they say very old, that ain't me, 50. Oh, yeah, she's very old. Someone said the other day, you look so great to be so old. Of course, they knew my age before. Most people guess me about 36, you know, so I'm keeping it that way. Um, but at any rate, when, when the Bible calls someone very old, everyone say very old. That means conditions were at ground zero for a miracle. What he's going to expose in her heart that she wanted a long time ago. But she stopped asking. She confessed it. She wrote it in lipstick on her mirror. You guys don't know about that. She put it on a card or she read it in her morning devotions during that season when she was really up with God. And uh, she's not going to tell him. Her husband's very old. It's impossible now. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you'd asked me, I don't know if you would feel this way. If you'd asked me about that 10 years ago, God, I could have given you a list. But you came to me today. I'm sorry. I was believing for that a long time ago. Or I was younger then and cuter. I was more with it then. I had more strength. I had more resources. You're asking me? So I thought when Pastor Billy pulled me out and said, you're going to build something, I thought, heck. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I thought that's not a cuss word to you. That's not. My mother said it wasn't. So please call my mother if that's a cuss word to you. Um, but I mean, my goodness. My goodness. Build something at 50. You should have called me when I was 32. But you know what? I've realized something, and you know this too. What Billy Burke said to me in that prophecy is true. I know things at 50 I didn't know 10 years ago. I understand things. I'm a much, I always tell Pastor Barbara, sorry that she had to hang with me the first years. Kendra got the much better deal because the older you get, the wiser and just more workable and understanding. And, and now I just think, wow, you know, you know, that's often when God comes to you. We say, God, if you'd come to me on any other day to say this about my marriage, I could have gone there with you, but not today. If you come to me any other time to say that about my finances, I could have gone there with you when I was feeling your glory and standing down here worshiping every Sunday when I had you like this and you had me like this. But let me tell you something about a miracle. God doesn't always come at the moment you think he should because God wants to get the glory and take all the glory for himself. That's why God consistently speaks things to you at the most bizarre times. That's why God called old people to give forth children because he wanted the world to look into these stories and say, if God did them for he can do it for me. So he says, well, she doesn't have a child. Verse 15. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said to her, about this time next year, 
you will hold a baby in your arms. In fact, she didn't just say a baby, she said, son, you will hold a son. Someone to carry on the old man's name, who's probably 130 about this time. A son, everyone say a son. And you would think that she would say, woo, go God, this is awesome. This is phenomenal. But all she says is, oh man of God, don't you lie to me. Don't you dare lie to me. And she already said she perceived he was a holy man of God. Let's stop right there and look up and let me begin to walk this out in our last few minutes. You see, she made room for him. It's not comfortable or convenient for you to make room for God. It'll cost you. She had to build a room on her roof. Now, I know what construction do. Dean will tell you people can almost lose it with each other in times of remodeling. You see the worst, and I remember one night, Diana and Christian and all of us, I don't remember who else was there with us, somebody else, but in the middle of the night, about 3.30, we saw sides of each other we had never seen. When you do construction, mostly it was my bad side, they had their good, but it's construction takes time. Say it's inconvenient. Inconvenient, come on, inconvenient. She built this room, she put a chair and she put a table and she put a chair. She made room for a miracle. If you are gonna make room for a miracle, you say, I don't know what miracle I need. We all need miracles. We need this country to turn around. We need miracles in our, in our workplaces. We need miracles all around us with people we're believing for that are prodigals. We need miracles, every one of us this morning. She made room. She put aside what she wanted to do. And during this time, they built this room. She perceived that this man was holy. Now, we live in New Testament times. We honor our pastors and our elders. You will only be blessed doing that. But more, let me take this to New Testament. We've got to treat holy what God says is holy and make room for it. Make room. You made room this morning for what God says is holy, the Sabbath. He says gathering together is holy. That's not something we just thought up so we'd get people in a room so we could talk to them for a long time. God said it was holy. We make room for a community of believers because God says it is holy to connect with other believers and to be there for each other. We make room. We carve out the space. And we do it. She made room. We make room by believing. And she was inconvenienced. But she saw this is holy. I wonder what she saw. I don't know how she perceived it. But I pray that God would open Rhonda Davis's eyes today. That I could perceive the things that are holy that I'm not perceiving. That I would see the things that are holy. I was um, asked to speak the week of my 50th birthday in Kansas. Listen to this. In Kansas, they wanted me to speak Monday night, Pastor Tuesday night. Um, they said we would have to drive there. They, they couldn't afford our flight. We don't really fly that. We're pastors. We don't fly. We don't drive that long to go speak unless it's vacation because we feel like our commitment is to you first. And they couldn't fly us. There were several things, but pastor really wanted to go. And I prayed about it. And I said, pastor, I don't want to be driving back on my 50th birthday on Wednesday from Kansas on April 27th. I, I just don't want to do that. If I could really be honest with you, I prayed. But I really, then after I said it, pastor's such a go-getter. And he said, okay, that's good, Rhonda. Tell them that I'll just come if they want me to just come. But then we got several complication schedules and we just couldn't do it. But then I felt so bad. I felt like a diva wannabe. Like I thought I was too good. Like I couldn't preach the week of my birthday. You see, that may sound crazy because my best friend, he said, of course you ain't supposed to preach on your birthday. You're supposed to take the day off. You're supposed to go to the spa. You're supposed to go to New York City. I mean, she's just always in my corner saying, people don't treat you right. People don't love you. Let me take care of you. I mean, she's a sanguine and she's like, her gifts is gift giving. So she's always over here saying, you don't have to go that extra mile. Come, I shall ride you in my Cadillac. You know, and everybody needs a friend like that. But when it, when it comes down to it, you got to hear from God. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you. Come on, just say that. Say, I told you. I told you. Okay, here it is. So, Tiffany, I felt like a diva. 
And I prayed because you see, this is, I know who I want to be. I'm not there. And, and we all have to figure out who we want to be. I, I, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Every time I say that, Pastor says, you better not say that because you know he got his head cut off, right? And um, he's so literal. But I said, well, I don't want to get my head cut off, but I want to be like those disciples in the New Testament. That's my goal. That's who I want to be. And I said, Paul would have preached on his birthday, Dean. He would have started a new church on his birthday. But I prayed about it. And then, then I got a call from Kathy Payne. Will you come and teach at my leadership institute? Of course you know I can't pay you. And of course you know there may only be 25 people there. And also I'd like to ask you to do this. On April 27th, you'll speak for four hours back to back with no pay. <laughs> this is just Kathy. Would you do it though? <laughs> And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You gave me a chance in my hometown to prove I am a New Testament disciple. So immediately I said, yes, I want to do this. And then, you know, that was the day that the tornadoes ripped us up. And that's the day I was preaching and then preaching on my birthday and things. I didn't even tell anybody it was my birthday. Kathy didn't know at the end of the day it was going nuts. And we were all down into a, a safe place over there at Peerless. It was people. What's so funny is before I got there, she said, I know I told you 26, but enrollment's gone down. They don't ever know who's it's leaders from different states and they'd had some economic trouble and said in the women's track it may only be 12 or 13 then I got tickled you know we always tell everybody if you'd be the only one Jesus would have died for you but it's funny when we go to do anything we want to consider numbers isn't that interesting I mean I'm gonna make a big lesson out of that because I've been telling all my preacher friends we make too much out of it if you'd been the only one Jesus would have died for you but you asked me to come speak to three people over there in the barn on the back side of the field on my birthday I don't think so Somebody ought to just give the Lord a hand for that for that, because that was really good. Sometimes to make room for God is inconvenient. And I went that day and it was awesome. I was so thankful for that opportunity and so blessed. I ended up giving her a hundred dollars for a new vision she has. It blessed me because that's who I want to be. You see, this woman knew who she wanted to be. So when he says to her, what can I do for you? She doesn't say it because she'd been there. The message says that she said this to him when he said, you're going to have a son. She said, oh, my master, oh, holy man, don't play games with me, teasing me with such fantasies. See, she'd already confessed it. She would wrote on her mirror. She'd put that scripture there. She'd already been there and done that. Well, haven't we been there? What she was saying is, don't raise my hopes. You know what? I've adjusted to living right here. I've adjusted to living right here. I'm managing my lower level expectation of this line right here. And I'm okay. And I'm making it. There's not that many great days, but I'm okay. Don't you go and raise my false hopes. Don't you go and say to me something that's not going to happen. Because I've already been there and I've done that. And he said, nevertheless, a year from now, you'll hold your son. And she did. She was holding her son a year later. And one day when the son grew up, and Wendy, if you'll come help me on the keyboard. One day when the son grew up, he went out into the field. And when he went out into the field to see his father, he started saying, my head hurts. My head hurts. And it must have been intense enough that the very old man, the father, said, send him to his mother. Isn't that what men always do? Go see your mom. Go see your mom. So he said, send him to, just kidding, send him to his mother. So he goes to where his mother is. And this is the way the Bible paints the portrait. Now remember, kids, remember, this is the woman, Seth, that had made room for a miracle. This is the woman that had made her life inconvenient and uncomfortable and carved out what she knew was holy. 
She did it because she treated as holy. This is the woman when the prophet said to her, you're going to have a son. I know what you want. God has revealed it to me. You want a son. And she said, don't lie to me. Don't play games with me. It's okay. I'm managing life, okay? But don't raise my faults up again. Don't bring back something that I've stopped believing for a long time ago. Don't bring back the way I wanted to reproduce. That's why I see this. The way I see this child is, is not your eggs, but what you can reproduce in the earth. What you can bring to the earth. Don't play games with me for what I can bring to the earth. Don't play games with me about that miracle that I need in my life. I already tried that again. I tried that before. It didn't work. I'm just managing it. I'll just get through. And so... At high noon, the Bible says, watch this, the darkest moment of her life, the child dies on her lap. According to history, he had to be about seven years old. And let me tell you something, according to legacy, who he is in a minute, and why it was important that he lives, why it's important that your legacy lives. And he dies. This is what she does. She takes the boy that has died. She takes him and she goes to the room where the prophet lived, where his bed is. I don't have the bed up here, so let's pretend it's right here. She doesn't say a word to nobody. She lays that child, about seven-year-old child, on the bed. And watch what she does. She shuts the door. It's like she's looking around. She shuts that up. I'm going to tell you why she shut the door. And why when the servant asked her, and why when her husband asked her, why she was riding on a donkey to see the man of God at Mount Carmel, why she said it's all right with everybody. Because she wanted to shut the door from anybody doing anything with that child until she could get to the man of God who made her the promise when she wasn't even looking for a promise. Listen, she sends word to her husband and says, send me a donkey and a servant. I got to go see the man of God. He says, it's not a new moon. It's not a festival. It's not a Sabbath. Why do you want to see the man of God? That's the only time she went to. She said, it's all right. That's all she said. Now listen to me. She wasn't saying she was all right. She was saying, it's all right, meaning I'm not all right right now, but I will be in a little bit. It's okay. You know, we come here, we say, God is good. I say that like, God is good, but sometimes I'm not good. Anybody else feel that way? God is always good, but sometimes I am not good. And I don't mean good works. I mean, I'm just not good. I, I'm going through stuff, and you are too. And what she says is, it's all right. She didn't say, I'm all right. She said, it is well. But in the New Living Treasury, says, it's all right, meaning I'm not all right right now. But I will be all right. And what she did, she shut that door. So nobody could give her their opinion. It's amazing when we're depressed. We call someone that's depressed too to talk about it. What can they do for you? It's amazing when you're worried. You call someone who's a worse worrier than you. We should shut the door on the things that we don't understand and only go to the one who has the miracle in his hands. She knew no one around her could save her, could help her. She knew it was not in man's reasoning, Pastor Jason, or in man's ability, Susan, to bring this miracle. She shuts the door. You know what? I just see in my mind us needing to shut our door in our mind to negativity, to doubts, to discouragement, to even our own thoughts that come to us about our own situation. Shut the door. She rode, and I preached this. I've not touched this since 11 years ago at Jamie Massey's. No, 13 years ago, I preached for her and entitled it, Saddle Your Donkey and Ride to the Mountain of God. But that's what we have to do sometimes. She got on that donkey, and she rode a net to where the man of God was. And when she got to where the man of God, he sees her. 
And he says to Gehazi, there's the woman from Shunem. Actually, what he says is something's wrong, but I can't figure out what it is. Her heart is heavy. Run to her. Ask her. Is her son okay? Is her husband okay? Is her house okay? He reads her thoughts. The servant gets out there, and the Shunammite woman says, everyone's fine. She, she ain't dealing with Gehazi. She ain't dealing it. She knows Gehazi don't got it. She's got to get to the source. She gets up to him, and she says to him, she grabs him by the feet. She grabs Elisha by the ankles. She grabs him. When was the last time you grabbed the very feet of God, if it were, spiritually? Pastor Ron, I had never seen that God, Pastor God's feet. I've never seen God's feet. I haven't either, but I know what it's like spiritually to be so desperate that you reach around, if it were, in your prayer time or in your heart, and you grab hold to him. She grabbed hold and Gehazi said, get back, get back, leave him alone. And Elisha said, leave her alone. Said her heart is greatly distressed and I can't read it. Just showing there's nobody on earth as gifted as they are that can always read your heart. Sometimes you've got to tell them. You've got to tell them. People that can do something about it. Not people that are just getting your mud with you and sling more mud. And she told him. She told him. She said, you know what? Didn't I tell you, I'm reading verse 28, not to raise my hopes, not to deceive me, not to tease me with false hopes. Didn't I tell you? Did you not see the look on my face, God? When you write these precious promises to me, did you not see the look of my face saying, no, 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 no. Don't mess with me, God. Don't bring false hopes up to me. Don't bring my expectations up, God. No, because I already believe that. You see, let me tell you something. You are not God. Everyone say, I am not God. This existed a long time before you did. Austin, this was full of the promises of God that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. God originated these promises. You see, if you think about someone in your life that you're very close to and totally trustworthy, have never broken a promise in their ability. Now, there's many, but I want to pick out someone this morning that I knew could do for me what they said. Joni Lamb. Joni Lamb said to me, Rhonda, I'm going to give you $500,000 to build whatever you're supposed to build. And Rhonda, I want to, I want to give you a new home and a new car. I want to do this for you, Rhonda. And I know she's got the ability to do every one of those things. She said, I want to do all of these three things in five years. Well, first year goes by, I don't hear anything from her. So I text her at the end of the first year. How you doing? <laughs> anything new going on? <laughs> Second year, still not hurting from her. Hey, you're on my heart. How's it going? You see any new magazines of new cars lately? Um, how's business? Third year, I'm on a caller and say, what's up, Joni? Why? Because, and she says, I'm sorry, Rhonda. I can't do that for you. Let me tell you, God will never say that about his promises that are sure in his word. I'm not saying that Sally's going to definitely marry Bob because she thinks God told her that. I'm talking about the promises in the word of God that are written right out there for you. And the ones you believe God has given you. The ones he's given you. And you see, who's the originator of the promise to me? Joni. I didn't ask Joni. I didn't ask her for the new car. I didn't ask her for 500000 I didn't ask her for the house. So where does the ownership lie with Joni? Where does the ownership lie of the promises of God? They lie with God and God 
alone. So we are to take our partial fulfilled promises like she did and lay them on the very place where God is. Why? Watch this. So when the man of God walked back in the room, he'd see the thing he promised is laying dead on his bed right there. That that child is there. You see, she, he says to her, I'll send Gehazi with a staff. She said, oh, no, no, no. Don't that stick not going to do for me. You got to come. You got to come. We've got to be with God where we say, God, I don't want you to send some second rate answer. I want your presence. I want your power. I want your healing. I thank you for rehab. But God, if you're not in the middle of rehab, rehab is no good. I want you in my boat. I want you in my house. I want you in my situation. I want you right here Lord I want you kind of like we said last Sunday when Jesus said Peter cast your nets to the other side and Peter said already did that and Jesus said I'm standing in the boat try it again try it again try it again believe for that healing again believe for that miracle again and so Elisha goes back and you know what he lays on the child now watch this he goes in he shuts the door too he don't let anybody in but him and it says he prays to God. We don't know what he says. And then he gets on top of the little boy. You got to love the way God does miracles. I'm telling you, it can get funky people. Jesus spit in mud. Come on now. He had people walking around with, I mean, it was, it was not pretty. We want everything really cleaned up and seeker friendly. You know, no stupid here. No silly here. Well, I'm glad you weren't following Jesus. What would you say when he spit mud? Huh? That's just not cool. I don't like crazy. Jesus said, well, I'm your crazy Jesus. And he lays on the boy and he puts his hands on the boy, he puts his eyes on the boy's eyes, his mouth on the boy's mouth, and he breathes. And he depends on God. He does this, and the body, it says, grew warm. In fact, let me read it to you quickly so we don't miss anything. He went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned, Elisha walked back and forth in the house and again went up. That means he left the room for a minute. Because you see, it was just partial fulfillment. The child was warm, just partial fulfillment. But he knew God wanted to do it all the way. We got some partial fulfillment in this room this morning. God is encouraging your faith. God is encouraging your faith. He paced up and down. I don't know about you, but pacing. You ever come see me pacing? I'm a pretty calm person. You know, I, I got something's going on. I'm pacing, I'm pacing in my backyard, I'm pacing in my front yard. I'm pacing in the den, back and forth, I'm pacing, I'm pacing. He's pacing. I don't know what all he's talking to God, but he's probably saying, God, you made this promise. God, you brought her that son. I may have spoken it, but you put life in her womb. Now that thing looks dead. God, you got to do something. And then it says, he went back up. And he laid back on the child. And this time he laid and stretched himself. And the child sneezed seven times. Everyone say seven times. Some reason the Bible wants you to know right there. The boy sneezed seven times. Now, you can preach that, but yeah, I don't really know. But seven times. God's number of perfection. Somebody will get a sermon. Seven times he sneezed. And preach it like crazy. But all we know is, you see what? Elisha had already tried once. He tried again. Partial fulfillment, you got to make room for a miracle. You see, he said to the woman, he called her up. The boy stood up and he said, woman, pick up your son. It's 5 to 12. I can do this. Woman, see, you were wrong, Pastor Todd. I've been under 40 minutes so far. <laughs> woman, pick up your son. Pick up your son. What does that say to me 
And what does that say to you? Pick up the sun like this. That's what it says to me. That's what it said to me about eight days ago before I called Pastor Billy when I just felt a little out of sync. And the Lord said, when you don't know anything else, grab hold of my son. When you don't know anything else, grab hold. And you know, that was just such a redeeming moment, standing in my bedroom, eating a salad, standing up and just thinking, and tears just being to wash down my face. And I believe it's for you today too, regardless of the way it hits you in this moment, reach out and grab my son. Grab Christ when answers aren't enough. Grab hold to Jesus. When you can't figure things out, grab hold to the Son of God. Pick up Him. Grab hold of Him. When things seem to fall half dead in your lap, you grab hold of Him. Why? Because He is the Son of Righteousness. This son was resurrected. That was the resurrection power of God. And I'm believing God this morning in this closing moments for God as you stand all over this building. I got a couple things to say to you, but stand all over this building. As God resurrects life in your life and in my life this morning, listen to me. I believe that boy stands for dreams, stands for those things we are to reproduce in the earth, our potential. I believe those things that might seem half fulfilled or even dead. I'm believing God to resurrect, to lay his eyes on your eyes, his hands on your hands. Some moment this week, maybe not right now, to lay his heart on your heart and to cause him to breathe what the Hebrews call the Ruha Kodesh, breath of God and breathe into you the belief that those dreams oh have fulfilled can be fulfilled that your potential in the earth and i want to say this in closing at the end of daniel in chapter six it says this graduates forgive me for bringing this in but it's too good not to bring in daniel 6 and 23 and when daniel was lifted out of the lion's den listen listen no wound was found on him because he trusted everyone say because he trusted in his God. Now watch this. Do you see these arms? These are arms who have been betrayed and who have betrayed others. You see these hands? You see this heart? I have been severely disappointed and disappointed others. You see this woman before you? But there are no wounds on me. There are scars that show my life and allow me to be real. And I'm speaking about you too right now. I'm just saying me to make you feel more comfortable. You see, when you, when I love it, when you get around someone and uh, someone says, you know, she lost a baby last year, right? No, I didn't know that. You'd have never known that. No, because there's no wounds. Because they trusted in the Lord. Sometimes we say, no one knows the trouble that I've seen. Well, yeah, we do because we've been telling each other. But you see a person who trusts in God. You say, you know she had issues, don't you? You know she was molested. You see, there'll come a moment in each of our lives when no wounds will be there. Because I think wounds sometimes get in the way, even as Perry Stone preached, the way of what God wants to do through us. Where a marriage can be so healed, someone say, you know he forgave or she forgave him seven times years ago. You know he took her back in. You know this no, I would have never known that. You can't tell that. 
No, because there's no wounds. Because they believe in Psalms 55, God ransoms me unharmed from the battle that was waged against me. So that eventually they look at us and they see no wounds till we stand. And you tell her, you see, you could hemorrhage from the rest of your life. Jeremiah 10 and 19, God's people said, listen, woe to me, my wound is incurable and I must endure it. I couldn't believe it when I discovered this back in February. And I know, I know graduates, I went on and on about this verse. It tore me up and I must endure it. I must endure the consequences of molestation. I must endure the consequences of AIDS. I must endure the consequences of that man that cheated on me years ago. I've heard so many women say, I must endure the consequence. I just must endure it. I must just settle right here because my wound is incurable. So I'll just have to go on. You see, this wound in this boy looked incurable. But God says in Jeremiah 30, back to his people, after years of them suffering consequences, God said, your wound is incurable. Your injury is beyond healing. And all of your allies have forsaken you. Meaning everything you leaned on instead of me has now been taken from underneath you. God does that to you to get you to lean back on him. But you, I love this, will not resign to endure it. Oh my goodness, I'm going to do something with this verse someday because it's so powerful. You will not resign to endure it. For I will restore your health and I will heal your wounds. Meaning what you're dealing with is incurable. Depression is incurable. What you're dealing with addiction is incurable. You're right. None of these people can help you. Counselors can come along and be a part of the process. This can happen that. But what you've got, wounds in your heart. Wounds, Psalms 44 and 21 says, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secret places of the heart. But I, the Lord, will not allow you to resign to endure it. But I will heal you, says the Lord. And how will he heal? Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah with scars in his hands and in his feet. There is no wound from your past. There is no wound from your upbringing. There is no wound from your adulthood. There is no wound from your adolescence. There is no past sin. There is no regret that Jesus, when you grab hold of him like this boy, you can be resurrected. This boy, according to tradition, is Jonah, who went and spent time in the belly. Oh, I got God in me. Whoa, I can feel him when he spent three days in the belly of well because he didn't want to go to Nineveh but he went the city repented and hundreds of thousands of people were saved you see this mama saw standing behind her baby boy that there was hundreds of thousands of people that she had to protect what she could reproduce in the earth I'm going to tell you Jonas I'm going to tell you Shunammite women I'm going to tell you Daniel we don't know that which God can bring into the earth but we've got to say I'm going to make room for a miracle give God a hand clap of praise this morning all over the house I'm done preaching I'm done preaching but right now I want you to lift your hands all over this sanctuary come on up to God up to God up to God up to God as Wendy plays he makes all things new I don't want to belabor this but I don't want to miss this moment come on hands lifted hands lifted God's reading your heart right now. Come on, look up to him.